Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections and, well, maybe we should better say responses to your questions, right? Because Thursday is Special Topic Thursday, which is a day, an evening devoted to your questions. And the question that I decided to respond to this evening is, why do we suffer? Now, I know for those of you who are faithful listeners, I have responded to that question in a soundbite form here or there, but I thought it would be good to take a step back and to really devote a whole program to responding to that all-important question, why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? A question that lingers in many of our hearts. I know one of you had asked me the question, but I do know this is a question that is on uh, many hearts. Now, this evening, I will draw from one of my favorite authors, George Weigel, and my personal hero, uh, St. John Paul II. Certainly, to take up the question, why do we suffer, is to ponder one of the hardest facts of life to face, or for that matter, to understand. Even as I'm speaking to you now, children are suffering from hideous diseases, or maybe being abused by their parents. Sex trafficking is out of control. Spouses will assault each other. Reputations will be ruined for political purposes. Good people will die young, and bad people will live on. Why? Why is the obvious question, and a question we have the right to ask in more than one context. No, the ubiquity of suffering in so many ways, has long been considered in argument, if not the argument, against the existence of God, especially a good God. To say that God permits suffering, for many, seems to make God either an incompetent or a sadist, right? Many find it easier to reconcile the unavoidable realities of suffering with what? But maybe an accidental and or purposeless universe than to accept the traditional biblical answer to the problem of suffering. Over the centuries, human beings have coped with suffering in various ways. Maybe if you are one who have suffered, you have just stoically resigned yourself. Maybe you have caught yourself up in an angry protest. Maybe you have experienced that numb silence. Maybe you are one who goes to prayer with great ardor and great zeal. Maybe you are one who seeks an answer, maybe an answer hoping for a miracle. Reconciling ourselves to the inevitability of suffering, finding meaning in suffering, is particularly difficult today. Why? Because in a culture dominated by what one could call the pleasure principle, it is very hard to make sense of suffering, which, again, on the surface, 
seems both needless and antithetical to human flourishing, to human happiness. Certainly, we could add that modern medicine's success in relieving pain has made so many of us less familiar with suffering in its most basic physical form. I mean, how many of you have ibuprofen in your cabinets, right? Because you don't want to deal with the headache. I get it. I've been there. So pain is something that for each passing day becomes more distant to us. Now, suffering in the Catholic view of things, we have to say out front, is a mystery. By mystery, Catholic theology means not a puzzle to be solved, as maybe a a Sherlock Holmes might do, but a reality that can only be grasped and comprehended in an act of love. You see, my friends, there is no answer to the problem of suffering in the sense that there is an answer to what does two plus two equal. The church has always believed and taught that there is a different kind of answer to the question, why do we suffer? And that answer takes us directly into the heart of the church, which is into the heart of what? No, who? Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is a suffering redeemer has been certainly a shock and offense since the first days of Christianity. It has had so many from the first days of Christianity scratching their head. The challenge of belief in a Redeemer whose victorious strength is displayed in his weakness may be arguably greater today than at any other time in the past 2,000 years, given once again our culture's resistance to the idea that suffering is the necessary path to beatitude. But that is the mystery, the profoundly human mystery of suffering. Animals feel pain, but human beings suffer. And that fact is the fact that should suggest There is a link between suffering and the essence of who we are as human beings. Pondering that link in so many ways is an opening into the entire Catholic story about the world and about us. And in that story, we meet an even more astonishing proposal. That God's answer to suffering is not to avoid it, is not to deny it, is not to blame it on human folly. God's answer to suffering is to embrace it, to enter the world in the person of his Son, to redeem suffering through suffering. That's the biblical genius. Now, Pope John Paul II had an intimate familiarity with suffering. His mother died when he was nine, and his older brother, when Carol Wojtyla was 12. So as a young man, he experienced death quite a bit. He also saw some of his professors shipped off to concentration camps. For several years, he walked five kilometers to work through freezing winter weather to break rocks in a a quarry or carry buckets of lime into a dingy factory while the Nazis murdered many of his friends. At the age of 21, his father died, leaving him an orphan in an occupied country. Now, if that was it, that would be enough to know that this was a man who suffered. But there's more. 
He was run over by a German army truck and left unconscious in a ditch to die. He lost his closest friend when he was 50. Another old friend suffered a massive stroke hours before Karol Wojtyla entered the conclave that elected him pope. He was shot at point-blank range by an assassin in his front yard in 1981, and after surviving emergency surgery, he was almost killed by a tainted blood transfusion that reduced him to a shell of his former self for months. And you know, it's interesting. For those who talk about the suffering of St. John Paul II, that last piece is often overlooked. But something that John Paul II himself would testify to was the most difficult. And as many of us know, he developed a neurological disorder akin to Parkinson's disease that made it difficult for this lifelong athlete to walk. I did think it was important to hit the pause button and appreciate the kind of man that we are talking about here, a man who suffered. He is worth listening to. <laughs> There's no avoidance here. For John Paul II to avoid the realities of suffering would be to deny his own experience because his experience was replete with suffering. Six weeks after meeting with his would-be assassin in a Roman prison cell, John Paul II published his apostolic letter on human suffering. And this letter begins with the observation that suffering is a universal human experience. That is why you've asked me the question, why do we suffer? And that is why it is a question that is lingering on so many of your hearts. Because <laughs> it is a universal human experience. Suffering is an entire human world. And no one can avoid passing through it. Everyone suffers. There is no escape from the question why. There's no escape from the question what for. There's no escape from the question of suffering itself. So, suffering, as John Paul II suggests, cannot be merely accidental. Okay? The whole idea that our faith is tied to some accident is ridiculous. The universality of the experience of suffering itself suggests that suffering seems to be, in the words of John Paul II, particularly essential to the nature of who we are as human beings. Because again, our suffering is not a mere animal pain. In addition to physical suffering, human beings experience what else? But moral suffering, or what we could call a pain of the soul, right? When we betray or are betrayed, when we are denied what is justly due to us, when we lash out and wound someone we love, when we are wounded ourselves by a friend or relative, our pain is not just psychological. It is spiritual. Men and women can be wounded deeply, in the depths of their persons, by the death of a child, maybe a, a parent, a spouse, a close friend. There are many kinds of suffering. And part of this suffering includes the suffering of the soul, a spiritual suffering. Now, this experience of spiritual suffering tells us something important about ourselves. It tells us that we have a soul, not just a psyche. Suffering, John Paul II suggests, is a signal in many ways 
of God himself, what is transcendent. In what seems to be the devil's work, we can detect another rumor of angels, if you will. Pope John Paul II says, suffering is one of those points in which man is in a certain sense destined to go beyond himself. So suffering is not just an unsettling human problem. It is a profound human mystery. Just as with the mystery of love, we meet God through the mystery of suffering. The Pope suggests that the mystery of suffering is not ultimately susceptible to rational explanation. And I believe this to be a quintessential point to better understanding what suffering is all about. However elegantly constructed, our explanations of suffering leave us dissatisfied. Something will always seem missing. That missing something, John Paul II says, is in fact someone, Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, God's love, which was so great that it burst the boundaries of God's inner life and poured itself forth in creation, is for John Paul II the ultimate source of the meaning of everything that exists, including, of course, the meaning of suffering. When we begin to learn that love is the fullest source of the answer to the question of the meaning of suffering, we can then begin to understand that this requires more than just a rational argument, but a demonstration. That is what God has given us in the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not here to give us a rational response to the question of suffering. He gives us a demonstration of it. He gives us a witness to it and therefore empowers it, gives it redemptive meaning. I mean, look at the life of Christ. The entire life of Christ points toward the cross. Our Lord's human life is a growth into the world of suffering to which he responds by his healings. And those healings, certainly both physical and psychological, are signs that the kingdom of God, a world beyond suffering, is breaking into this world. Yet, even as he heals the suffering, the paradox is what? Christ himself suffers. He experiences exhaustion. He experiences homelessness. And maybe even worse for him, he experiences the misunderstanding of those closest to him. I mean, consider, right after Jesus says to Peter that you are the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, he says what to Peter? Well, what did Peter say to Jesus? Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. <laughs> Jesus turns on the fishermen Jesus turns on Peter and calls him Satan. Slowly, relentlessly, the net of hostility closes in around Jesus. And the crux of the matter is at hand, the moment in which to link suffering to love and the passion of the cross. Christ suffers as a man, yes, but insofar as the man who suffers is in person, the only begotten son himself. 
St. Thomas Aquinas once said that our Lord's suffering was so much more because he was just not human, but divine. And he experienced the worst kind of suffering, abandonment, abandonment from the very ones he came to save. Many of us can testify to that kind of suffering, being abandoned. John Paul II writes that Christ's suffering has a cosmic and divine density. I love this. That is capable of embracing the measure of all evil contained in the whole of human history. We cannot imagine the suffering involved when the Son takes on himself all that the Father finds abominable. Yet that is what Christ suffers on the cross. I was just speaking to that abandonment. Have you ever reached out to someone, done something great for someone, and then have that someone who you reached out to, who you gave a gift to, reject you? That is a deep suffering. And this is what part of what Jesus takes up on the cross. George Weigel says, the burning love of God in himself must reach out to the world and redeem it by consuming everything in the world that is incapable of love, including evil and suffering. That is beautiful. The burning love of God in himself must reach, must reach out to the world and redeem it by consuming everything in the world that is incapable of love, including evil and suffering. That is what happens on the cross when in obedience to the Father and in the most profound act of self-giving love, the Son takes all the world's evil upon himself, including the evil of death. In the mystery of God's love burning its way through the world and through history, the moment of catastrophe is in truth the moment of liberation. With the passion of Christ, my friends, John Paul II suggests that all human suffering has now found a new situation. Not only is humanity redeemed by suffering, human suffering itself is redeemed. Since Christ suffered in place of us and for us, every human being has a share in the redemption he accomplished. Everyone, in the words of John Paul II, is called to share in that suffering through which all human suffering has been redeemed. On the cross, through his suffering, Christ raised human suffering to the level of redemption. And because of that, my friends, every human being in his or her suffering can become a share in the redemptive suffering of Christ. This is why St. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. We have been called to be a share, a partaker, 2 Peter 1.4 says, a co-worker in this great mission. Yes, Christ has ransomed us from sin, but we are called to share in this redemptive suffering, in this suffering of Christ that the triune God might take our suffering as we offer to him and use it as reparation for the world. When Christ became a participant in human suffering, he 
enabled us to have a share in his redemption. So brothers and sisters, when we discover by faith the redemptive quality of Christ's suffering, we discover the redemptive nature of our own suffering. And by linking our suffering with Christ, our suffering, like his, becomes linked to love. For the more we share in the love of Christ, manifest in Christ's suffering, the more we, we, we rediscover the soul we thought we had lost because of our suffering. What did St. Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10? When I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because Christ picks him up and he shows to St. Paul the meaning of his weakness, the meaning of, at times, his suffering. The weaknesses of all human suffering for St. John Paul II, are capable of being infused with the same power of God manifested in Christ's cross. In opening ourselves to the power of the cross, my dear friends, by identifying our suffering with Christ's, our suffering becomes a vehicle by which to continue in the world. You've heard me note before the importance of the word excruciating. I have always found it so fascinating that when we are experiencing what we might define as torturous pain, we use the word excruciating. This is so excruciating, we say. What does the word excruciating mean? Excruces, right? You break that down from the cross or out from the cross. You see, Jesus defines all that which is excruciating because he takes all of that which is excruciating to the cross. So when we experience what is excruciating in our own lives, we are at once immediately reminded to take this to Christ. Why? Because if we claim something to be excruciating, we are claiming it to be excruciates from the cross or out from the cross. And now we might not be thinking of that cognitively, right? Yet, from here on out, God wants us to be mindful of this. That there is something in what we are going through, that which is excruciating, that we are to give to Christ on the cross. It is a common practice in our faith tradition to use the phrase offered up. And I think in some circles it has been bemoaned because it seems uh, insensitive. Oh, just offer up. And to some degree, if you are careless with how you say it, it can come across as insensitive. But my dear friends, there's actually something deeply profound in that phrase, offered up. Because when you take what is excruciating and elevate it, to the cross, offer it to the cross as a holocaust, it now has, if it is rooted in love, redemptive power. So maybe if nothing else, <laughs> you can take from this evening the importance of why we say offered up and how we should be more sensitive when we say that, right? Okay, so you've asked the question, why do we suffer? And I think it is not so much about a rational response. 
a rational argument as much as it is a demonstration, a witness that has revealed to us the meaning of our suffering and how we are called to enter into this very personal vocation where we follow Jesus Christ to discover the meaning behind the why. Huh? Because when it comes to suffering, all of our suffering is very unique. And only Jesus Christ can reveal the meaning of that suffering in our own lives. So we take our suffering to Jesus Christ and we ask Jesus Christ the question, not just why do we suffer, but in faith, what is the meaning of the suffering? Help me better understand this. And will he give you the answer? Will he solve it for you overnight? No. As John Paul II reminds us, in his apostolic letter, this is a lifelong vocation because we will suffer to the day we die. And so, mindful of this vocation to follow the Master, that only the Master can help us better understand suffering, we do so in faith. And I close with a thought. Next time you say, no one understands what I'm going through, I might encourage you to close your eyes and to picture Jesus, tortured, brutally beaten, bloodied, coming down from the cross to sit next to you. Now I want you to look at him and ask yourself the question, can you say, no one understands? Let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.